and welcome to episode 129 of All About Fitness. On this episode, I'm going to try something brand new. Recently, I was invited as a guest of a podcast, and my friends Rick Ritchie and his partner Aaron Drogo invited me to come on their Omnia podcast. It is episode number 16. So this is Omnia podcast, episode 16. Aaron and Rick are partners in a training studio called Recover in New York City. And Recover is the first training studio that in New York, it's, it's not the, the first one in, in the country, but Recover is one of the first ones, one of the first ones to focus specifically on the most important aspect of fitness, and that's recovery. If you've listened to All About Fitness uh, for a while, you know that that's one of the main themes I talk about with a lot of my guests. We know that exercise changes the body, but what isn't as widely known, especially not in the consumer audience, is that it's the time after exercise. It's the recovery period. It's the rest period of when the body makes changes. So when you exercise, you're actually applying stress to the body, but it's a period after that of when the body adapts to that stress. So if you want to train hard, if you want results from training, you have to recover just as hard. You have to have the, some recovery strategies of what to do to help your body adapt to that. I've known Rick for a long time. We have both been educators for a long time, uh, 15 years. We worked together a number of years ago for a large uh, East Coast health club company, and our careers have evolved. We're both into education now. Rick and Aaron are both master trainers for the National Academy of Sports Medicine. You're going to hear us talk about just general fitness. What are some common mistakes? What are some common misconceptions? What should you be doing? Or what are some smart things that you should be doing that maybe you're not doing? And one of the things I love about doing this, about doing a podcast, is having the opportunity to have cool conversations with people I haven't met yet or cool conversations with other smart people doing cool things in the fitness industry. So that's what you get today. This was, like I said, part of the Omnia podcast. You can find that. I'll have the link below to the full podcast uh, below in the show notes. But I wanted, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through, play parts of the interview for you, and then give you some of my thoughts about what we're talking about. Go a little bit more in depth. I haven't tried this format yet. It's been one I've been wanting to play with for a while. And now that I, I'm getting, getting kind of back, I took a little hiatus there. So now I'm getting back to it. I'm going to play around this a little bit. I'm going to you know, kind of cut and paste, give you some of my ideas, and try something new in All About Fitness episode 129. So after a brief word from the sponsors of All About Fitness, we're going to have a fascinating conversation with Aaron Drogo and Rick Ritchie of the Omnia Podcast for the first ever Swapcast on All About Fitness. It's a bench, it's a stepper, it's a core trainer, it's a cardio trainer. You can do a wide variety of things on the TerraCore. Go to TerraCore Fitness, that's T-E-R-R-A, corefitness.com. Check out the TerraCore. The TerraCore is an all-in-one fitness tool that's great for either the home or the fitness center. In fact, it's so good for the home that Men's Health recently identified the TerraCore as one of the top 25 products that you should have as part of your home fitness equipment. TerraCoreFitness.com. Use code AAF10. That's AAF10 to save 10% on the purchase of a TerraCore. Strength training, cardio, mobility training. These are the three important components of fitness. You have to lift something heavy to get strong. You have to keep the heart rate up to get fitter. And you have to go through various ranges of motion to improve flexibility. There's one tool and one company that can help you do all those things with their product. And that company is Hyperware. Their product is the Sandbell. The other product is Softbells. Softbells take a Sandbell and they, you can add handles. So you can turn a Sandbell. You can turn Sandbells into dumbbells, barbells, and even a kettlebell. Go to Hyperware.com. That's H-Y-P-E-R-Ware.com. 
You see the link below in the show notes. Go to hyperware.com, check out Soft Bells and Sand Bells, and use code AAF10. That's AAF10 to save 10% on the purchase of weights for your own home use. It's 8675 podcast. I am. <laughs> Remember, there's only so much of a song you can sing before I, we owe royalties. I, I, I stayed inside of it though. Yeah, I mean, that's true. You got, and you also didn't finish the number. Well, I know because it's podcast time. That's right. eight six seven five podcast time. Yeah, that, that was very that's, good. That's my play on the fact that we have our first ever call in. Yeah, call in guest and see? and a good one. The pieces are coming together. That wasn't just arbitrarily. I want to sing a song. You know, here's the thing: when you, when you get somebody this good, sometimes it's hard to get them in town. So you just have to say, you know what? Let's not, do a call. No in. more wasting any time. No, we're not wasting time with. Well, the guys, call it, was, it was because you wouldn't send the G6. I told you, if you sent the G6 and you arranged, <laughs> you arranged the Maybach to pick me up at the airport, then we I could maybe yeah. fit in the schedule. But if you guys were hedging on that, then this is the best we can do. Yeah. Well, I said I sent I had sent my wife to Turks and Caicos with it, so you know, <laughs> wife comes first. Wife comes first. I totally understand that. <laughs> Uh, well, well, speaking of the the voice that you just heard, that is um, Pete McCall, and uh, Pete McCall and I have known each other for quite some time, and uh, he decided that uh, we, we decided we finally were able to to get him in on the Omnia Fitness Podcast with Rick and Drogo. Rick and Drogo. Um, so, uh, welcome, Pete McCall, man. Tell us a little bit about yourself before we start delving into some topics. Um, well, first, I really want to say, uh, Rick and, and, and Drogo, that that I really I, I'm honored that you guys would invite me on. I really really appreciate that. I think what you're doing is really cool, and I think you guys have a, um, a, a fun approach to talking about fitness, and it's making me rethink kind of maybe I need to get, maybe I need another co-host or somebody I can banter with. Um, but hello, listeners. My name is Pete McCall, as, as Rick said, and I am, I guess the best way to put it is I'm an educator in the fitness industry because, um, guys, nobody wears one single hat. Do you know anybody in our industry that does one, just one thing? No, sir. I know some people that just do leg circles. <laughs> well, oh, for, oh, for exercise, all I do is arms. I just do biceps. That's all I do. I, oh, I got I only do. I only do the adductor machine <laughs> over and over. Exercise all day long, baby. And uh, but for listeners, I am. You know, Rick mentioned that we we work together, and and we have, and we've worked. Uh, we we've worked with each other for for a while in, in very similar things. But I am what what's called a master trainer, meaning. I go around, I educate, and this sounds a very like a random job, but I go around, I educate personal trainers on on what to do and how to use certain pieces of equipment. Right now, I work with Core Health and Fitness. They're the parent company of Stairmaster, Nautilus, Star Trek, and Schwinn Cycling. So I really, the, the fun part for me is to have I've heard the of yeah, right. That's that's why I'm I'm working with them. Is you know, it's it's the opportunity to work with some of the legacy brands in the industry and really kind of do some interesting stuff. I also work with a startup, and Rick, this is when I've, I've spoken with you in, in this capacity, with something called TerraCore. TerraCore is like a portable bench, yeah. inflatable bench, um, balance Aaron, trainer. I have one of those in our, uh, in our facility. Our, yeah. We have a little training facility in yeah. Recover, and yeah. we've got one of those. I punished someone with one today. Really? No. Stability endurance training, not beating them with yeah. it. Right. We, worked out, we worked out on it. Well, and that's and that's just it. Is is it's a new one? And actually, guys, it was just recently um, identified by Men's Health as one of the top uh, twenty-five pieces of equipment for the home. So that was really oh. kind of that was really kind of cool. So I'm working with them as as their programming director. 
I do a lot of, um, I, I teach online. So we, we actually are colleagues. I teach online classes for the National Academy of Sports Medicine, uh, personal training certification. Rick, and I believe Drogo, you do this too. You guys teach the live workshops, right? We do. Yeah. yeah. We do, we do. That's so, how, actually, that's Aaron and I know each other. That's the company that, uh, that we, um, I was working with, and Aaron um, came in uh, several years later. So, But that's how he and I met. Yeah. And that's good. And, and, you know, and so I, I, I teach students online, and that we really try to, after they go to the online and, and take the certification, hopefully they come see one of you gentlemen for the live workshop. And besides NASM, I also work with another um, certification, helping create content for them, writing articles, writing blogs. And, you know, I just do a little bit of everything. You know, if people need something written or something produced about exercise, um, they reach, you know, various companies. Oh, I, I write for 24-Hour Fitness. So there's an online magazine called 24Life for 24-Hour Fitness, and, and I write for them. And then I do a little... It's pretty I'm, nerdy. I'm Pete. feeling lazy too. Yeah, right. <laughs> I feel like I, we should I, do some I, I was busy life. prior oh, to this, but I, I guess right. guys, you know how this works though. It's, it's I don't do a lot. <laughs> you, you know, you, you work with different companies. Some months you do more with with, with others, and and sure. um, you know, I, I do a podcast myself called All About Fitness, which is you know kind of a similar approach. I guess it's the geeky, and I'm listening to you guys are the fun DJs. You guys are the DJs that people want to listen to for that drive time stuck in traffic. I'm the midday. I'm the midday guy that just gives you the news and the, and the score. You know the news and the, and the information. So I'm the midday guy. Yeah. You, you listen to me if you just want the pure information. But if you want to be entertained, I I'm, think. I'm politely disagree. What's that? I'm going to politely disagree. I listened. I said I'm going to politely disagree. I, I listened to a, a few of your podcasts uh, as soon as Rick told me that we would have you as a guest, and I, I found them quite entertaining. And and I went in, you know, especially considering I I have Rick and I have a podcast. Uh, you know, with a lot of similarities, I wanted to do some compare and contrast. And, uh, you know, one of our biggest missions is to not only provide education, but also um, inspiration and, and entertainment. You know, we, we try to fill at least two out of those three buckets. And I listened to it. And I'm like, man, he's he's crushing it. Oh, well, thank you. Know, you, you, you I appreciate that. And uh, you guys you, are you doing might, a great job, too. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you so much. And, and you know, with that, I mean, I think I, that's why I like what, what I like about this. What I like about what you're doing and, and kind of the way that, that we're each approaching this is we're trying to give information to consumers because I don't know about, about you guys, but I get so not frustrated is not the word, but I just get I slap my head. It's a shake my head. It's a slap my forehead moment when I see some of the nonsense about about fitness that's put out there in the general public that 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 people will look at oh, somebody. On social Please media. Share. Well, I'm not going to go, you know, with certain names except uh, for Tracy. No, 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 not with certain names, no, but, but. Well, this is where I'm going to cut in. And just so you know, for listeners, you heard this back on the roundtable that I did, the fitness roundtable I did with Doris and Amy and Mark and Brandon and a few other people, that a lot of times when fitness educators get together and we talk about what's going on in fitness, we're very, in some ways, we're very critical about social media. Yes, a lot of us use social media. Yes, we have social media presences. We promote what we do, but we're also very hesitant or very nervous that a lot of people are looking to social media, quote unquote, stars or people who become popular on social media as authorities in fitness. And what, what you should understand as a listener is just because somebody can do a killer social media post and they look awesome doing a video or demonstrating something doesn't mean they know how an exercise might affect your body. You know, we have so many cells, so many tissues, so many systems in the body that, yes, majority of exercise can be safe, but done incorrectly, done the wrong way, 
exercise can hurt you or it could kill you. That's why there's a concern, especially among educators like Aaron, Rick, and myself. We want you to get the best information possible, and social media doesn't necessarily always allow that. Back to the conversation. Share a little bit. What are you talking about? Because Not, Aaron and I have talked this about this. Well, and, and we would like to talk about it again with you. <laughs> um, hey, you got a sexy voice, Rick. And, um, uh, but what, what, when you look at it, what we see happening in the last two years, especially what we're seeing happening is that people are being pulled to social media for Instagram or YouTube to get fitness information because it's easy to consume. It's very visually appealing. And one of the things that, you know, you and I have been educators, Rick, for a number of years. And Aaron, I think you've been doing it for a while, too. But we've been educators. We've been out traveling the country, traveling the world, teaching workshops, staying on top of our game. Yet somebody that's relatively new to fitness but has, you know, six figures, followers in the six figures, all of a sudden seems to have more legitimacy than you or I. And we've been teaching for certifications for better than a decade, more than a decade. And I know you have your master's degree, Rick. And... And it's just so one of the things I'm trying to do, and I think what you guys are trying to do is you're trying to elevate the level of information going to consumers so that consumers are not only learning about fitness information, but they're learning about it in a way that is effective, evidence based and is are, are what basically their trainers and instructors are learning as well. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the, the ultimate goal is trying to to share data, information, research-based, principle-based content. Um, and, you know, I, I, I like to think that Aaron and I look pretty good doing it. But I we're, think so. I think you look great. Oh, gosh, thank you so much. Uh, but, but I think the biggest thing, too, is that, we, you know, we don't put ourselves out there like that. We put ourselves out there as educators and um to be an influencer and an educator uh, oftentimes do not go as as hand in hand as people would think because the the sexy moves and the sexy people and uh, you know granted we're sexy but in, sure. in a very nerdy way yeah but I you too Pete I very think, nerdy I think sexy. one of the the biggest problems is you know the necessity to cater to people's attention spans and, and what's capable i mean if we're talking about social media i think the vast majority of the time we're talking about instagram but you know the length of time you can have any one clip live and you know what information you can put on there so that's that's step number 1 is you know what are you confined to but secondly a lot of the things that have been proven effective time and time again don't look as cool as someone making up, you know, this, you know, their patented, well, not really patented, but their signature move, yeah. you know, that instantly grabs your attention and makes you want to stay on the page versus something that has proven results. So, you know, so those are the two things that we've got stacked against us. Um, but, you know, Rick and I are trying our best to find a different medium where we're not trying to go head to head with, you know, trying to make, you know, a photo of somebody foam rolling their TFL look cool all of a sudden because it doesn't look cool. Uh, but trying to find a fun, you know, a fun way to keep people engaged, keep them listening, keep them entertaining and, and more importantly, wanting to learn. You know, but, like, but I think you also have to look at it as saying, yes, there, there are things that we learn about exercise and there are exercises that are good for certain things and people. Uh, but there's a sense of professionalism that, that a fitness professional should bring to the table. Uh, and those things I feel aren't really often talked about enough, not even certifications, but certainly you're not going to get that from, uh, from Instagram. So, you know, like the uh, appropriate behavior in the gym. That's, and a, that's a good, how are, 
Well, we're going to go there in a second, but I think you're, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head, you know, Rick, because I think the one thing that draws people to Instagram feeds is that sometimes, you know, the people on there are wearing very revealing clothes or putting, you know, putting up very suggestive shots, which they got fabulous looking bodies. Is it somewhat motivational to say, I can look like that if I do that exercise? Absolutely. But in reality, you're also kind of cheapening what we do by making a, you know, I don't know about you guys, but do you remember, were you, are you old enough to remember going to Spencer's at the mall when you're like 13, 14 years old? Not only do I remember, I used to work there. What? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I only worked, I mean, it was probably six weeks, but oh no, I worked there. Worked That's hysterical. I'm, I'm very familiar, Pete. Do you want a lava lamp? Uh, lava <laughs> lamp, but no, you always had those posters, you know, it, and I'm talking like prime 13, 14, 15 years old, the mid 80s. I would go to the Spencer's at the mall and go look at those posters in the back of the girls in like the bikinis and, you know, draped over the Lamborghini, draped over the Ferrari, Ferrari 308 yeah. GTI. You know, we now don't need to go into Spencer's and go to the back of the store to look at those posters. We can just flip through Instagram. And I think there are a lot of legitimate yep. people doing really cool things on Instagram, but people don't take the time to understand. I think a lot of viewer, you know, Instagram viewers, consumers of that information don't under can't define and can't identify who should I be listening to and who is just somebody a poster in the back of a store, you know, because there are each. And I think there's some very good Instagram people that put up very good content and they have legitimacy to be there. And there are others who just are doing it in an effort to try to be insta famous. And and I think that it's that second group that concerns sure. me and takes away from what you know the three of us are trying to do. Good so, stuff. I mean I mean this has existed since the dawn of time. Sex sells, you know, and, you know, there is a slip. I thought you were going to say Instagram. Instagram. Like, no, that's pretty recent. It's been around since the dawn of time. <laughs> well, you know, cave Mike, paintings, Mike you could argue Rand that cave paintings were the Instagram of, you know, the, the 10, 12,000 years before, true. you know, common yeah, era. But true. I thought I saw um, a cave painting of somebody doing like single leg touchdowns and <laughs> um, like, you know, quadrupeds. Open books. It was, it was. Oddly detailed. It was very cool. Spine rotation. I was very like, cool. look at that cave Some, somewhere, somewhere in Italy they found that one. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just saying that, you know, since the dawn of time, I mean, sex sells, and there was a there was an ad campaign for for a chain gym that, you know, everybody wants to look better naked. And, you know, that that's that's always been the case. I just think the accessibility to that now that's that's eclipsing all the other content, um, you know, it's, it's just a, it's an interesting time to – you know, at one point in time, you were hard pressed to get a microphone to get the whole world to listen to. You had to work, you had to do something, you had to, you know, you had to grind and sweat. And by the time you got said microphone, uh, you were probably worth listening to because the amount of work you had to do to get that microphone, figuratively. Mm -hmm. You know, but now all anyone has to do is pick up their phone. Uh, you know, so we're, we're I, I feel like it's the climb to get quality content out there is getting steeper and steeper. But gosh darn it, we're gonna put in the good fight. Well, it's like a big stream. I, you know, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Tammy Lee Webb. Tammy Lee was one of the early fitness stars. You know, she she did the. Your moms might know her, and I'm not saying that in a derogatory way, but I'm, you know, she did the Buns of Steel video series back in the '80s. Oh yeah, so, um, I remember. And you know, talking, you know, it was interesting to speak with Tammy Lee because when they did a video shoot in the '80s, it was a two or three camera shoot that had a production cost of twenty five to thirty thousand dollars per day. To do a 45 to 60 minute fitness video wow. now all you that's need all is, is like you need you need a, a an iphone you need a stand and that's it you you now have a production studio in your pocket and that's been one of the things that's been of why we see such an influx of content now 
you know, 15, 20 years ago, you know, I know Rick, we, you know, we were buying videos at conferences to learn about the latest, greatest fitness information. And, you know, and now people can just, you know, stream it and go online. And let me ask you this, you you guys can maybe give me a little bit of input, but one of the things that, that does concern me about this, and you're right, sex sells is I, we see people put up great videos. They, some of the, and we'll say women, you know, some of these women have phenomenal bodies. So they're promoting themselves, they're promoting these exercise videos, and they are obviously using their sex appeal to get to get viewers and to get followers. But at the same time, we have this Me Too, and it's a legitimate concern. We have this big concern in a lot of businesses about men aggressively pursuing women or men treating women inappropriately. And so I think in fitness, there's a huge dichotomy between you know, what's going on in the greater society with Me Too and, and trying to treat women more equally Yet we come into fitness and here's a woman in extremely tight clothes, if you know, not wearing many clothes at all, uh, you know, using sex to sell her body. And I think that's an interesting juxtaposition, you know, in what's going on in society. Have you guys noticed that? You guys, you know, is that something that's kind of been that, that you guys have chatted about at all? Yeah, well, I think we've had this conversation on on the fringes, and I'd 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 like to open the can of worms today, yeah. and and let's have a conversation about fitness and and me too, and um, yeah, it, it's fair, it's a fair conversation to have, and here's the thing. Uh, we ain't talk about Instagram and that's one thing, but we got to take it into the gym because that's where things are also going to get a little more personal. So yes, there's something about Instagram that's going to sell, uh, but you can do that from a distance and you, you can see that. But when you get into the gym and you've got actually people that are close by close to you that you can talk to, you're not sliding into their DMS, but you can actually work in on a set. Uh, and this is one of the great things about it. There, there are places you can go and there are, you know, scantily clad people with fantastic bodies. And you, you wouldn't think twice about saying, hey, can I can I work in on this set? Nobody necessarily thinks that you're going to be hitting on them. However, for a very long time, I know that um, particularly in group exercise classes in a studio with a big open window that people will say, you know, that people have come out of that or spoken to the instructor and said, I don't like how so many people look in and watch what's going on. And even in some cases, the trainers looking in and watching what's going on and it makes them uncomfortable. Now that's, that's with a barrier in between them. That's with people in a class versus one-on-one. Now you start talking about the potential of a trainer working with a client. You have a situation where um, oftentimes physical, I mean, so people, people are going to, you're going to talk about bodies, right? People want to talk about how they look. They're coming in for their body, um, whether it's an outside or inside. And so conversations are going to be had about it. Uh, and I don't know about you guys, uh, but when I first started working in the gym, um, it, it seemed to be much more prominent then than it is now. It's almost like, uh, like old Vegas versus new Vegas, like old Vegas was like super gangster and oh. everybody just kind of created a culture of gym whatever. culture was filthy, filthy, filthy. And I even talked to a guy at one of the, the gyms I'd worked at, and he was like, oh, man, we used to, to land chicks all day long, and this was it, and look for the divorcees, and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is a, a far cry from a legitimate business. For sure. And I think, so, I mean, we've, 
already rattled up a few things that could, you know, warrant a, a full podcast talking about it from, you know, Instagram and the way people are presenting themselves. And, you know, just touching back on what you said about the group fitness, I think with certain situations, it's very black and white, appropriate, inappropriate. And it's easier to define you know, which of the two, uh, you know, sides we're resting on when we're talking about a, a personal trainer and client relationship or any interaction in the gym doesn't have to be a, a trainer, but, uh, with the group fitness, you know, that, that's a tough one because, you know, I, I, I was that person that would look in at the gym sometimes because I'd like, I'd, I'd be admiring like, wow, I'm going to use from, for my next training session with somebody. So it's, it's hard to decipher what, you know, what the intent is behind somebody standing right. there True. ogling in, you know, so, you well, know, were you ogling? No, I think I, no, anytime I, you ogle, there's a, there's pretty clearly, I mean, you, you didn't ogle to get an exercise. <laughs> no, and there's a difference between, you know, like I'll watch, and when I'm in a, in a, in a certain gyms, I'll watch a group, of, you know, I teach group fitness classes and I'll watch because I'm like, okay, what are they doing? What class, you know, I try to determine what class it is by watching it and say, oh, you know, would I use that exercise? A lot of times I'll watch the, the, the participants, the members' reaction to how a teacher introduces an exercise. Because I want to see if a teacher is introducing something that's relatively complicated or relatively hard, what are the people's faces? What are they, what are they you know, how are they responding? How are they reacting to the teacher? But um, obviously, and guys, I'll, I'll go right on, you know, when I was a young man, single in my 20s, that's how I met my wife. My wife was a group fitness instructor. And, you know, she would always, you know, she would make fun of me. She's like, you do a lot of sets of dips because the dip machine was right outside the group fitness studio. And I'd always be there like at the end of her class because I always wanted to bump into her. She was leaving the studio. So there is a, you know, there's a fine line there. And I'll admit that, you know, I was there because, you know, I, I knew I, 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 you know, we we're dating at the time or I wanted, you know, we we're just getting to know each other. And I wanted to be at the same place of, oh, hey, you're getting out of the studio. I'm just finishing up my 20 set, sets of dips here. I can't lift my arms anymore, but let's let's hang out for a few minutes, you know. So there is a, there's a fine line, but I think you guys are, are are touching on it because in the gym there are half naked bodies. We are getting sweaty, but there are very finite. You know, do you dress that when you guys are teaching a workshop? Do you dress that when you're pointing things out to to up and coming trainers and and why so why is that important? So Rick and I, when when we teach cueing. Um, and, and actually we make, we make a joke out of it. I didn't even really think about it till just now, but you know, the lineage of our cueing, uh, is say it, show it, tactile, cue it, you know, so we'll try to explain verbally whatever movement we want the person to engage in. Uh, you know, if they can't follow through, if there's any type of disconnect, um, we will then show them, you know, and I don't like working on it any more than I have to. So I try my hardest to articulate clearly. <laughs> um, and then we say tactile, cue it, you know, if, if someone's going into knee valgus or their knees caving in, I've said, you know, your knee, you know, don't let your knee collapse. Don't let your knee collapse and I'll show them. And then finally, I might put my hand to the inside of their shin and say, when you squat, don't let, don't let your knee touch me. So that'd be my, my, you know, the, the final point of, of the lineage, the tactile cue. But as you know, when we teach workshops, I always make a joke. I say, yeah, we used to say, uh, say it, show it, touch it. <laughs> and then we'd giggle and like, well, touch, it doesn't really sound, you know, it kind of, kind of has a weird ring to it, but you know, right. they're, they're, yeah. they're, you know, there's all jokes. You know, and, and, you know, I didn't really give it a lot of weight until now. I mean, I, I always conducted myself as professionally as possible, but, you know, I was kind of making a jab at, 
you know, a lot of trainers that I don't have contact with anymore that I saw, you know, cueing inappropriately. So, you know, so don't say touch it anymore, tactile, cue it. Um, but it, it's very true. You know, I, I think that, you know, we, we mention it. And now that we're having this conversation on the podcast, I think that it, it's worth touching on a little bit more depth when we have our workshops, because that, that will make or break a trainer's success, you know, whether, whether it's with that individual client, uh, especially if you're in a big box gym or the way the rest of the members are watching the way you conduct yourself, you might have one client that may, may, may not even care, you know, but if the rest of the room, if all the other members in the room are watching the way you're conducting yourself, mm -hmm. you're going to be hard pressed to pick up any of those clients. Well, you're a creep. I don't know. There's nothing about your energy or the way you conduct your business that I want to So, um, you know, and, and, and to that, the to the benefit of well, well, sorry, but that, oh, go ahead. that's just it, Aaron, and and that's what you know. I think that's one thing I've always pointed out or, or have pointed out for years in in workshops is if we're cueing a certain exercise or coaching a certain exercise, I always point out that you you could be working with your client and be focused on what you're doing, and everything you're doing is a hundred percent appropriate. Somebody, a, a, an educated person in in what we do, personal training could watch that and say, oh, I know what he's doing. He's, 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 protect, he's protecting knee valgus. But somebody across the room on that treadmill, on that elliptical runner, it might look like you're, you're feeling up the client's leg, you know, by, by hand placement, by body placement. Yeah. And that's where I always try to, I'll sometimes stop people and like, all right, what would this look like from across the room? And think about that could, you could have somebody, a potential client look at that and go, ooh, I don't want anybody touching me like that. Or, oh, that's a very inappropriate when in reality, it's completely, completely appropriate. You know, have you ever, I mean, yeah. have you ever found yourself in any position like that? Either of you, like where you're like, ooh, did I, you know, un, unwittingly or unknowingly that all of a sudden you ended up in like, oh, I probably shouldn't be in this position just by mistake I or mean, by accident. I'm sure I did at one point in my early career. I was just too naive to be aware of it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, to circle back to your, I, I try to be you know, as careful as possible with every aspect of my presence from, you know, so we'll just circle back to the knee valgus or the knees caving in. If I'm doing a tactile cue, uh, you know, first and foremost, I'm going to be positioned slightly off to the side, you know, where I'm placing my hand, um, isn't on the inner thigh. It's going to be on the shin so that anyone's looking like, well, he's touching her shin and that's a lot less sexual or has the potential for any sexuality than her the inside of her thigh. Uh, and as much as I can, I try to always turn my palm still getting a tactile cue, but it's, you know, basically like a karate ridge hand, you know, so anyway, nothing sexy about that. that. And then I key, I go, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> And then hey, that's everyone knows that. That's, that's just reactive yeah. training. Your brother. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. But I think the other thing with that too, which I find interesting, is that you, you call it a tactile cue, but that's really almost an anti-tactile. Anti-tactile. Right? Exactly. Like, don't. Don't want you don't to touch. touch yeah. Um, and I think those are good cues because those are visual cues. I'll show you on me so that you do it this way. And if, of course, that's a super legitimate way to do it, but that's a way to say, look, my hands here, I do not want your knee to touch this. And it's a visual cue in avoidance of the tactile touch. And I think for, for any fitness professionals listening, I mean, the other thing to think about, a uh, common mistake I see people, so I'll, I'll just stay with the knee valgus. So if somebody's squatting and their knees are caving in towards the center, I've seen people often in their attempts to correct it, push 
the knee out into more of a varus or, or bowed out position. Well, mm-hmm. as you're doing that, the, the chances are that, that whether they're conscious of it or not, they're going to fight that resistance that you're applying. Right. So, you know, if, I, I prefer the, the non-tactile cue because it's, it's black or white. If you squat and you don't feel my hand, you're golden. Mm-hmm. If you squat and you do your knee collapse on your own, you know, so, um, that's, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> but how would, you, how would you describe that for, like, what would be a good, like, talking to consumers, right, talking to the listeners? Because I'm sure there may be been some listeners that have worked with a trainer, they've been in a class. And I know a, a friend of mine's a yoga instructor and just, you know, had a little incident at his gym. And it's funny because at first, when they first put the video cameras in the classroom, the instructors were very resistant. They're like, why, you know, why are you putting the video cameras? Well, it ended up saving this guy's butt. Because he was going around the room and he, before the yoga class, he would say, don't, you know, if you don't want me to adjust, just you let me know. And I won't. And he went up to this one woman and appropriately repositioned her hips. And she tried to claim later on that he assaulted her. Well, they went back to the video and then they said, no, here's, he's in the right position. He made the announcement. Everybody in class heard him make the announcement. You know, he did nothing wrong. And so it totally, it completely, you know, exonerated him from from you know she was trying to litigate against him in the in, in the gym and it turned out that she had filed suit against other gyms she basically was somebody who went around to different gyms to file lawsuit against instructors 100 percent that that happened here in san diego within the last year so um so Pete, go ahead so it's it's hard i'm noticing it's it's hard yeah. to know when to jump in when someone's <laughs> not sitting right in front of you right. so anyone listening this is our first time on the phone yeah um so i didn't mean to interrupt were you oh, no. were you still going no, no, no. Okay, so what I was going to say is, is you brought up something that I completely forgot about. So going back to the workshop, the way that we teach the the progression for cueing, I always make sure that I say when you get to the point where you're tactile or non-tactile cueing, the first thing you do is say, may I put my hands on you? May, may Is it okay if I, if I correct mm-hmm. you with my hands? And if they say no, you don't do it. You find a way to make the first two work. Right. Um, and also the position of your hands, too. Like if you are ever flat hand on somebody's body, right, whole hand touch yeah. right against their butt, that is that is not the right tactile no, There's cue. no need for it. You no don't need, need your palm, your your whole hand. You don't think touching, right? So and here, let me let me just say what we're talking about and who this is good for. I think anybody at the gym or considering going to the gym or people that are training and personal trainers, this conversation is going to be incredibly helpful for because we're talking about what is appropriate for, um, for, for fitness professionals to be doing. But let's, let's hold on that for a moment too, because, uh, there is predatory client behavior that takes, Towards the fitness 100%. professional too, and I've had that happen to me as well. Right, me too. Me too. Well, no, I yeah. you, know, you say that because it, and we look at the gym, and especially in urban gyms. You guys work in Manhattan. I've worked in downtown DC and downtown San Diego, and you get a very different kind of mindset in an urban setting versus now I'm in complete suburban utopia in North County, San Diego. Um, but you do get that. I mean, I worked in a, in a gym in a gay neighborhood for a number of years. 99% of the time I didn't have a problem, but there was one guy who had to go to the manager and say, I, you know, this is somebody who's bothering me and making me uncomfortable. Have you guys, I mean, how have you dealt with that when, when that's, that has happened with you? I just rolled with it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I, I, I'm, I'm a pretty upfront 
person. I mean, I, you know, sometimes to, uh, you know, to my disadvantage, I, I speak my mind pretty, uh, you know, Rick can definitely testify to that. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> I, I do in, in the dynamic of a client of mine being inappropriate, uh, you know, Speaking I, of New York City, New anybody York hear City. that horn? Beep, beep. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I tried to diffuse, and, and I'm going to preface what I'm about to say with with this. I did this because I'm I'm a man who's taken fight sports since I was nine years old. So I always first tried to diffuse with humor, and the reason why yeah. I gave that preface is I I'm the father of a three and a half year old little girl who. Uh, you know, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about how many legs am I going to have to break, uh, you know, in the next 20 years. Um, I would never teach her diffuse with humor first. I could get away with that because of my physicality, because of my technical skill set. Um, but, I, I in, you know, it, it was d- addressing the situation. But if it were my daughter or, or my wife, I would say, you don't have to be confrontational. You don't have to yell, but you need to say, I, I don't like what you're doing. Please stop. Right. And this is, this is for everyone. I don't care if you're a trainer experiencing this with a client. I do not care if you are a client experiencing this with a trainer. First of all, if, if that's the case and there's a client uh, being made to feel uncomfortable by the trainer, not only do you sternly say, you know, this is making me uncomfortable and I don't want to engage like this anymore, but, uh, also follow up with management, uh, with, with that just to make sure that there's not, um, a, a ongoing behavior where this is happening. And I, I know because I've had to have conversations with managers at locations that, I didn't work at that. I was just trained. And, and so Pete, you know this cause you worked, uh, for TSI. And so I was, uh, at a, at a sports club that they owned on the upper East side. I don't work on the upper East side, but I saw a behavior where this woman was on a bench sitting and the trainer got right behind her straddling the bench. She was straddling. Then he was also straddling her. And I was like, this is, this is the most absurd behavior. It is so inappropriate that I needed to say something to somebody because if the managers aren't seeing it and that stuff's going on, then it needs to be said. It has to be spoken about and people don't. And you know this, Pete, like people, and you've been in management positions before people are uncomfortable saying something about their trainer. I know it's an uncomfortable ask, situation. I, we've probably all known people who've quit the gym. They've quit a gym and yes. started going to a different Seven. company because they didn't want to confront a trainer or they're, they're nervous oh, about it. Yeah. Or the, And it really is. I think you're absolutely right that if anybody listening, you're ever, if you're ever, if you, if you're somebody that does not want to be touched in a class with a trainer, communicate that any instructor in the world, any good instructor in the world is going to say, Hey, thanks for letting me know, you know, cause it's the instructor's best intent. If, if I'm walking around the room and I can give you a quick little adjustment, I might, you know, but you know, if I've, if, if I've said, you know, if I've said, Hey, let me know if you don't, and you go around and you kind of give me that look, I'm like, I ain't going to touch you. I don't want to touch you. I don't, I don't know your history and I don't know how me touching you could, you could react to that emotionally. And, and so I think for listeners, you you owe it to yourself to 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 be up front and let people let the instructors and trainers know what is appropriate and what what's not appropriate 
and to piggyback on that, on that Pete, I've, I've also taught group fitness, um, you know, for anybody listening who, who that may have resonated with, um, but your fear is in doing so that they're going to establish some disconnect between you and the instructor or the trainer that you like. I can tell you right now from, from my personal experience, not only does it not create a disconnect, it draws me in closer to that person because I have, have had somebody tell me like, I don't like that just so you know. Uh, and they good for them. That, yes. Yeah. Um, but what that tells me is you are honest. I'm not wasting any of my energy trying to read what's going on behind your eyes. I'm not trying to solve this puzzle. Like I know exactly what you like, what you don't like. And I know that you're going to be honest with me about it. So it doesn't raise anxiety with me. It lowers it like good. Somebody who's just honest and upfront. So now we can just get to the work. I'm not dedicating any energy or focus to trying to figure out like, wow, well, I wonder if this person likes it. They told me that what they like and they don't like, right. You know, I'm still going to work within the boundaries of what I consider reasonable and professional. Cause I always do, but my anxiety is lowered significantly. I'm like, good, we can be honest and open with each other. Let's do this. Do you, it's Darren and Pete, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this question and uh, I think it's valuable. Have have you when in the beginning when you first started training anybody uh, and I'll say this because I haven't. I don't think I've ever said this. If I do anything that makes you uncomfortable, let me know, because that's not my intention. That's a um, great way to say I don't. It. Yeah, I, I will start using it. I think I will, too, um, because I, I usually always, especially first time client, always ask if it's OK to touch somebody before yes. I cue yes. anything. And that's, you know, getting consent is more valuable than anything. You have to ask people uh, before you touch them. You, so people that are out there listening, you there should be a request to touch you before any fitness professional does so. They should not just go straight into a tactile cue. Should always request that. Um, but I do think that I'll I, I may start laying that framework out. Absolutely. Regardless of gender, and I think this is another important thing because yeah. sometimes, like as a dude working with another dude, I'll just be like, "Oh, here, shift shift your hips this way. I'm, yeah. I'll, I'll move that." And I, I would never do that with you a just woman. Touched my butt, bro. Yeah, right, right. But I, but that's another thing too. And there's a there's an article on um, a website called fitlegally.com. And uh, one of the things they talk about for general guidelines is never assume that because that person is of a certain gender and you're of a certain gender that that um, you are you, you no longer have to to bring that up. Like yeah. you should always bring it up. And, and I want to – so you had sent consent and I want to circle back to something we talked about earlier, which is Instagram and uh, you know whether the scantily clad females – um, you know, if that's presenting, you know, any supposed mixed messages or, or, or you know, any confusion, I, th I, th I think quite the opposite. And what I see with that is a female who is consenting to present herself as such in a safe environment. Mm -hmm. That's okay. what that's what I see. So if somebody does so in a safe environment, that's one thing. As soon as you step outside the boundaries of wherever you're taking those photos, you're in a public space. And I think guys listening need to take this into consideration. Whoever took that photo, um, that that's that is a safe environment that that person controlled. Um, it, it it is not synonymous with you know it's okay to start being overly sexual or touch or start being provocative. I think sure. You know the the bottom line is is consent. 
you know, and that, that is on a case by case basis. You know, we'd said people that are willing to let you tactile cue them or touch them, the people that are not, I mean, you need to have your radar alert at all times, you know, and constantly mm-hmm. beating people's body language, constantly be asking questions. And especially if you're not sure, you know, if, 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 if there's ever, you know, so there's a, there's a book or website, when in doubt, leave it out. Um, and that actually has nothing to do with what I'm about to say. But if you're not, okay, if, if, if you're in doubt, <laughs> not leave it out, but um, ask the question. Ask, As, yeah. Are you okay if I do X, Y, Z? Um, you know, and really create the environment where that safety exists and, and safety to, to say no. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Well, uh, that, that Pete, just... You, go ahead. Uh, I was, I was going to say, you're... You're the parent. You're the father of a, a girl, a little girl. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, two two girls. Yeah, a little bit older than yours, girl. Aaron. And I think you have two. Yours are nine, ten, and three. Rick, I believe, kids. Uh, yeah, my daughter is ten. Yeah, so uh, ten, eight, and three. Um, and I'm and I'm married, and um, and I think about this with, you know, if my my wife when my daughter gets older and she's going to the gym, which she, you know. Um, what rules to, to lay down or not rules. Um, what approach, yeah. What approach to, Guidelines. uh, provide her so that she feels comfortable at all times. And if she ends up going into the fitness profession, I do know this. Um, one of the, the issues that happens a lot of times and, and I read this somewhere about the insurance agencies, um, say that there's less litigation that's brought up between a client and a personal trainer, the most litigation is actually brought up between a personal trainer and the gym owner or the manager. Um, and so there, there are a lot of layers to this. And, um, with anything, I believe that the conversation needs to be had where we talk about how we help other people feel comfortable. And are we, are we touching to cue or are we touching to touch? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And on a side, I, I don't, I don't really ever pick up on any Southern drawl or accent, but every time you say insurance, I know you're from the South. Oh, oh really? Insurance. Oh, that's true. Cause that's I, true. I had an ex-girlfriend from the South and she said insurance also. Like, oh, is it? Is it? Uh, sorry, Rick, it's not from, insurance. Not if I remember Rick, you're from Alabama. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Roll Tide. Dude, how do I know that? Why is that stuck in my brain? Because um, <laughs> he's Instagram famous. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, Instagram. But I think that that that's a great point. But I think it would be like I kind of I kind of keep my mindset of is this something I would do in front of this client's spouse or was this something I would do in front of my spouse or is this something yeah. I would do you know in front of anybody? You know, it's it's funny. I you know I'm gonna take it I'm gonna take it to a different direction for a second. And now you asked about my kid. But when I was in college, I was the uh, the pledge master for my fraternity for a semester. Meaning, I was in charge of all the pledges and stuff. And our basic rule was we kind of had a double prong rule for what we would ask the pledges to do or, or not do. But it was like anything. I would I would never ask a pledge to do something that either I hadn't done or wouldn't be willing to do myself, or something I wouldn't be embarrassed to talk about in front of their parents. Meaning that, okay. you know, Great. one time we sent the pledges up to, we, we went to school, I went to school in Southern California and the mountains, you know, had snow in them. The mountains, it was about an hour and a half, two hour drive up to the snow line. And, and I said, told the pledges, hey, it'd be great if we had some fresh snow to make margaritas and daiquiris with. Would you mind go getting some? 
you know, and now that's kind of a silly little thing. But the whole idea was we wanted them doing a kind of a quick road trip as kind of a bonding experience. You know, the whole thing you're trying to do in, in you know, getting pledges is you're trying to create a whole sense of friendship. And, you know, I, I guess they didn't do anything to the snow because they had the drinks, too, when they got back. But they brought back a bunch of fresh snow in a cooler. And we did indeed make margaritas and daiquiris. And that's just something that I would have I would have felt comfortable talking about that in front of a kid's parents when I was 21 years old and, and we're dealing with 18 year old pledges. And I think the same rule would hold in a gym is I would never do anything with you or ask you to do anything that I wouldn't ask in front of a room full of people or that I wouldn't feel comfortable on the front page of the newspaper. You know, I think that that can be used with, with anybody, you know, at any age if they're, if they're a fitness consumer. Right. And we've, we've seen something like that recently, the front page of the newspaper. We've seen a fitness professional in New York City um, not too long ago um, be uh, uh, allegedly uh, groping and kissing uh, a client when uh, the facility and he is the he owned a facility and um, nobody else was there. He just kind of booked out his facility <laughs> and it's just it made it very uncomfortable. And that's clearly somebody taking advantage of that position. Um, and I and rather than pointing out what this guy did that was wrong, which I think is obvious, I applaud the woman or women who stepped up and said, this is wrong and I'm going I'm to make case out of it. Absolutely. Well, and I think that goes – you have to say that about all these women coming forward because I think for years – there's been this culture yeah. of, well, well, it's kind of accepted, you know, that this is just, he's an old guy. He, he's a, you know, cause that could happen. I mean, trainer, client, you know, attorney, you know, attorney, legal secretary, you know, elected member of Congress, somebody working in a congressional office, president, intern at the white house. I mean, you can look at a number of different examples, you know, executive I don't producer. Think what's that? Those things never happen. No, That's exec- a executive producer. <laughs> no, executive producer of a of a movie of a movie studio and, and an up and coming actress. I mean, no, the, the thing is, you look at people who take advantage of the position and the power they have to take advantage of somebody that that doesn't have that power, and that's a lot of what that is 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 somebody using that power over somebody else. And what I think is so powerful about this Me Too movement is the women are taking that power away and saying, "No, we're not going to put up with it. We're going to call you out on it." And I, I think that's, that's been something, and I know we all have daughters, that's been something that, that's, that I've been acutely aware of is, is I, you know, is seeing how this is taking place because that's the kind of society I want my daughters growing up in is something where if they see something wrong, they can say this is wrong and I don't think this should go on. And then not only do we have daughters, I, I, I believe all of us are, are married uh, and we have wives and none of our wives, I'm sure, has escaped an uncomfortable situation. Oh no, I've heard, right. heard a few. Yeah. So that, that I think is uh, the difference between what I hope the difference between how my wife experienced growing up and how my daughter's going to experience growing up. Well said. Yeah. It takes a very strong person to, to step forward and change what has been the culture, you know, and to, and to risk, you know, losing your job, you know, being labeled as, uh, you know, typically we see guys being labeled as, oh, they're strong and they're, you know, they're, you know, they're focused, but you know, the, the same personality traits in, in a female that's willing to step, she's a, she's a B I T C H. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, so, you know, 
for, for that strength to, you know, in spite of all the potential repercussions, be it where you're going to fit socially, are you going to keep your job, how, you know, what's going to happen, uh, you know, short and long term, you know, to be able to step forward and know that it's not something that's going to change today, you know, because this is something that's ingrained in culture and the amount of strength is going to take to keep persevering in spite of the fact that it's not going to change today. It's not going to change tomorrow because it was that far ingrained in the culture. And that existed in the gym too. You know, it was, it was super common to see the personal training managers, uh, sleeping with a great deal of the female personal trainers, yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. you know, and whether that, whether that was, you know, consensual because, you know, it was, you know, to the best of my knowledge, any, any example I have was consensual, but, you know, when you start to factor in, well, you, you know, you're out drinking and then this happened and now this person, this, this woman needs to come back to the gym and, and work underneath you, you know, and, and look to you for, for guidance and support. And I'd and I'd said it before the word safety, you know, as the manager, you need to, you know, part of your job is to create a safe environment for those working underneath you. And I don't mean you're not going to, you know, trip and stub your knee, you know, you know, the safety to be able to, to, to be open and, and approach you and, and not, you know, wonder what, what your motives are, especially if, if it was just a one-time thing, you know, I don't want anything to do with this anymore, but now it's, it's weird coming into the gym because I don't know what this person's going through or what's going through their head. So, you know, I, I always took the approach that, you know, don't, you know, don't, uh, you know, don't sugar, honey, iced tea where you, where you eat. And, uh, well, that, you shouldn't, I mean, sugar, honey, iced tea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hadn't used that. I hadn't heard that before. Eric. That, that's pretty cool. I like that. Um, you know, I'm going to take a shift on the, on the, on the me too thing, because this is something I've written about a little bit and I've spoken about a little bit. Um, and that's in, if you look at the leadership in a lot of the, the, the fitness companies, the funny thing is to me, guys, is when you look at the consumers in the fitness industry, in health clubs, the people doing workouts at home, the streaming workouts, whatever, a large majority of them are women. Yet when you look at the executive leadership of most health clubs and most equipment companies, the executive leadership is male. You know, if there are female executives, they're either relegated to human resources or they're relegated to group fitness. There have been wow. some, there are some cases where women have become CEOs of, of large fitness companies. And, but for the most part, there is still this kind of old boys club. And I don't know how often you guys have been to an URSA. URSA for listeners is the health club industry trade show. And it is kind of one of the most, every year they have the URSA, you know, the health club industry trade show. And that's when equipment companies show their latest, greatest equipment. Health club companies go there to buy the equipment. People like us go there to demonstrate various equipment. Uh, you know, the funny thing is you see all these old men strutting around. You see all these booth models, hot young booth models who have no, they're just hired for the show. You know, yet most of the people that use the equipment or come to the facilities are women. And it's really something that, that to me is a little unsettling how we have a lot of decisions being made about the fitness industry by this kind of old boys club. You know, and, and, and to take it a step further with really bad hair, I mean, bad hair coloring and bad, bad, <laughs> yeah, you know, and I just, I'm sorry, but it's just, you know, I, you know, it's something I look at and, and it's one of the things that really is just kind of makes me scratch my head. And I love, you know, two decades into my career in fitness. And I know you guys have done a long time too. That is the one area where I know that, that we can improve as an industry. And what I try to do with, with the voice I have is I try to push people to do that. This is Pete. I'm going to cut in here for a second. And we're talking about the difference between a social media influencer and an educator. Aaron, Rick, and I are educators. We teach workshops. We teach sessions. We 
speak at conferences to help fitness professionals learn how to do their job better. We teach them how to apply the science. Being a social media influencer is completely different. You're showing things, but you're not explaining. You're not explaining why. You know, some social media influencers really proved P.T. Barnum right. P.T. Barnum, the founder of the, uh, the Barnum Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus, one of the founders, I believe he, it's his quote who said, a sucker is born every minute. It might have been Barnum. It might have been Mark Twain quote, but I'm pretty sure it's P.T. Barnum. But that is, that is exactly what social media is proving, is that, yes, a sucker is born every minute. People may look great in social media, but doesn't mean they know how to apply exercise in a way that can help you for your specific needs. One theme that we're touching on is that professionalism is a big, big issue in our industry. You know, people have been doing this for years or make this their career are professional. They understand there are certain professional standards, yet a lot of people come into fitness and they try it out. They're the ones who sometimes give us long-term professionals a bad name because maybe they don't understand how to be a professional and do it the right way. But it's an important subject that a lot of times educators like Rick Aaron or you know leaders like Rick Aaron and myself, we discuss, we bring this up. We're basically, you're listening on a conversation that we're, on, we're online, we're on Skype, but this is something that we could be talking about in a restaurant or a bar at a conference or after a day of, of doing our jobs. I just wanted to say quickly that to, to do my best and do my part in avoiding the, you know, the bad hair in the all men's club, I just made mine fall out. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I've definitely noticed it. So I worked in a uh, big box gym. I worked for crunch fitness for, uh, 16 years. I think a long time. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, you know, I had a I had a pretty good gig there, and you know they really let me do pretty much whatever I wanted as far as supporting me with a lot of the uh, you know a lot of the events that I wanted to put on, and they really opened a ton of doors for me. So uh, you know I stayed there intentionally. I had a lot of friends that were opening up their own boutique gyms, and I know I could have made more money as an independent trainer, but I, I had a good gig going, so I stayed. But in that time, you know you could definitely testify this the. Uh, you know, the length of time that any one fitness manager is, is seated in, in one club is, you know, at best two years, maybe two and a half years, you know, so the amount of fitness managers I've seen, uh, and worked under has been extensive. And I think in that entire time, uh, I had one female fitness manager the entire time. And I, and you know, so you know, that always stood out to me and there were plenty, you know, so the, the makeup of, of the personal training staff was at least 50, 50, if not, I think in a lot of times, a lot of times it was maybe even leaning heavier towards the, the female and a lot of very assertive, strong, structured business mind. And, and who knows, you know, I'm having this conversation in hindsight. I don't know if they wanted to be, you know, but there was definitely a lot of potential to be tapped on the shoulder. They may have been tapped and said no, um, but one thing that isn't arguable is in 16 years and, you know, almost one fitness manager for every year I was there, there was a single female fitness manager. So I, I definitely noticed that. Yeah. Um, so can I, let's, uh, let's move, um, from, from me too. And, and we're kind of pushing it a, a, a little bit on some of the negativity in social media. And, uh, so Aaron and I have a portion of each of our shows where we discuss some of the positive things that we see in social media. Social media is part of our lives. And, uh, and we want to, um, we want to embrace that and talk about the good things, not just the garbage that we see out there. Um, so 
So, uh, Pete, why don't you give us, I know that uh, it kind of sent you out a little uh, information and, and you had a social media shout out that you wanted to put out there. What was your, do you remember your social media shout out well, that you'd mentioned to me? Well, I did. And actually, you know, I don't mean to, to do this to you because I think we, we've had a very good constructive um, conversation here. And, you know, I, I do want to talk, I think, I think what, um, you know, what Colin Kaepernick has been doing, I think is extremely important. And I, I think there's there's a lot to say about that. But the other thing I want to talk about that just occurred to me, Brick, and I, I'm sorry about this. Oh, go for it. But, but no, one thing no. I've seen on social media is, um, and I don't know if you guys ever listened. Did you guys ever listen to the Joe Rogan podcast? Yeah, all the time. A buddy of ours was actually just on there about a month ago, John Joseph, and he, he gave us a, a very nice shout out. So it was nice to hear uh, hear our, our, our names on the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah, but I, cool. I listen. That's cool. Yeah. I, I haven't gotten there yet. But but some, they did something. So last year in October, um, Joe and some of his regular guests, Tom Segura, Burt Kreischer, and Ari, Ari Shafir, they're Art all comedians. Shafir. And they did something called Sober October where they agreed not, oh, to, yeah. not to drink, not to smoke weed, and to try to do more yoga during October. Well, that spawned a bunch of guys like you and I, middle-aged guys, to start exercise programs and start documenting it on social media. You know, And, and it's not that, that what CAP isn't doing isn't extremely important, but that can go down. We can get in. That's a discussion that we could have for hours, and, maybe, and I do want to have that. But I think to look at the positive aspect of social media and behavior change I think is something that that is, that we can touch on a little bit briefer because I've been following this guy for the last year and I'm gonna give him a shout out on, on here somebody named Vance Hines out of uh, he's north he's north of Dallas Texas and he he was inspired by Bert you know Bert during sober October Bert Kreischer and he started working out and he's lost like seventy to eighty pounds in the last year guys this yeah. is somebody who's been cool. doing he's been documenting it on social media other guys are starting to document it on social media. They've been posting videos themselves working out. He's been posting. And to see that type of, I don't even realize, you know, in the last, you know, Joe just had uh, Burt Kreischer back on the podcast recently. They kind of talk, touched on it for a minute, but I don't think they realize how powerful that is that, you know, we're all, I think we're all, I'm in my 40s. I'm 46 years old. And I think, Rick, you got to be knocking on the door of 40 if you're not, if you haven't crossed the threshold. And Aaron, Aaron I'm not 41. sure. You're 41, and, and Aaron, you know, I'm sure you're you're. In a couple of days. What's that? <laughs> I said in a couple of days. Yeah, no, I'm oh, still okay. just. Uh, so you're uh, still 41 but, but, in a couple. Of days. But but to that point, there are I think that the one of the powers of social media is vicarious experiences and seeing somebody, yes. whether it's a star, whether it's your neighbor, seeing somebody change their life and change their behavior by adopting a new behavior, that to me is extremely powerful. That maybe we don't talk about enough. Of that, hey, we can use social media for good because I see you doing something. On so yeah. I, I know for a fact, Rick, that there have been times when I've looked through social media and I'm kind of like, okay, what am I going to do for, you know, I have a pretty loose workout plan, but sometimes I look on something on my on social media and I'll see something I'm like, okay, Rick just did this workout or, or Drago just did this workout. Okay, I know I got to pick it up a notch. I can't, you know, those guys are doing this. It kind of pushes me to train a little bit harder. I, have you noticed that the positive, those positive aspects of social media? 
Absolutely. But, it, you know, we've talked about this with other guests before. I think as, especially as it pertains to social media, you know, it, it's not only what you choose to focus on, but who you choose to follow and surround yourself by. So right. if I don't want to be bombarded with, you know, garbage content with people that just happen to look good, well, I'm not going to I'm not going to follow them. And I'm only going to follow the people that are doing things that inspire me and that are going to inspire other people. Um, and speaking of which, I'll, I'll just jump in and, and follow up because it fits in perfectly. Um, so our buddy, John Joseph, uh, who was on Joe Rogan, had somebody write to him and he says, thanks, man. I had open heart surgery last year to replace my aortic valve. It was congenital defect. I am 39 years old. Exercise and is and has always been key to maintaining a positive lifestyle. Surgery took me off the shelf for about one year and I've been looking into what else I could do to feel better. I saw you on Joe Rogan and now I'm deep into the plant-based diet and feeling great. Going strong for like three weeks already, currently reading your book, and I appreciate you, man. Thank you. That's awesome. You know, so, you know, we, we talked about Joe Rogan. We talked about affecting a positive change and you know, social media shout out. There it is to John Joseph for, for doing just that. And to follow up on what you were talking about with the Sober October, you know, you look at something like that and it's inspiring, but you, there's potential to nay say, well, it's a novelty act. And, you know, what happens come November 1st? Bert Kreischer is still running or competing in triathlons. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you look at somebody like that, like, yeah, how inspired can I be? I know that as soon as you're done, you know, this was just a novelty act to prove to yourself and to the world and document it and get a bunch of likes. But then come November 1st, you're done. Well, that's not true. You know, he's still, I don't know if he's sober anymore, probably not, but the healthy habits that he picked up, uh, you know, are, are, are still carrying over into his life now. And I think that that also has the chance to be inspirational because there might be somebody that looked at him in during October and said, well, I want to move, but I just have it in me to commit to being completely sober right now. And Rick and I talk about mm -hmm. a little bit of something's better than nothing. So, so, well, now, now he's demonstrating, I don't have to be sober to go, to go run a triathlon. I'm not sober anymore. I'm still doing this. I I've learned that I liked this. So there can be moderation. I don't have to go insane. You know, my, my triathlon running wasn't congruent on my, my being sober. So you don't have to be sober to do that. Right. So now to a broader audience, I think he has the chance to inspire because people can look at, I can relate to that. Yeah. So maybe I'll still have a couple of drinks and still do a triathlon just like Bert Kreischer's doing. So, yeah, well, I, I love think, that. I think that's an overall like approach to fitness, right? Is that, you know, for, you know, to go back and use that social media, you know, example of, so many people think that that being fit means you have to look a certain way. But here's the thing, guys. When you look at any definition of the word fitness, when you look up at any dictionary, not one of the definitions mentions appearance. It's an adjective you know, describing a state of work capacity, functional capacity, your ability to perform certain tasks. So it's all about what I try to do and get people thinking about on my podcast some of the stuff I, I write and create is the fact that we don't need to focus on appearance but we need to focus on, do you have the ability, you know, I call you know, my tagline is fitness is freedom. Fitness is having the ability to do what you want to do when you want to do it. Now, if you want to walk around yeah. half naked, you know, at the beach, whatever, great. You, that's your goal. I'm 46 years old and drive a minivan. I don't care about six pack ass, <laughs> you know, I, I, I love that. You're <laughs> again, trying, trying to read the reader. Go, go ahead, Pete. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I said that, 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 my goal is just to be strong and healthy. I want to be healthy and active with my two kids. I'm not, you know, looking for a mate. I'm not whatever. I mean, so I carry a couple extra pounds. Rick knows this. I've always been a little, I've been 
what when I used to go shopping at Sears, I'd buy the husky pants, and that's never changed. Um, you know, and and but I I try to make that argument that that fitness is about ability, it's about mindset, it's not about appearance. I agree a hundred percent, and I don't phrase it the same way. But when you said fitness is freedom, when my clients ask me why I work out, say when when I when there's something that I can't do. When my daughter is down, so we'll, we'll just talk, so we'll step outside the paradigm of, of fitness is, is having six pack and, and fitness isn't just cardiovascular health, you know, being able to do the things you want to do. So one aspect of fitness is, is flexibility or mobility. So Vera's down on the ground playing because as three-year-olds, you can sit cross-legged all day long. And there were moments like, I want to get down on the floor and play with my daughter, and I do for a couple of minutes. But the minutes that I'm doing it, I'm distracted with all my hips cramping, and you know, I'm not engaged. I'm not. I'm not fully present. I'm not being mindful because I'm so caught up in the prison that my body has become for the person I want to be. And like that's why I work out is because when I when there's an inability for me to do something that's within my control, if I'm not addressing it, then I'm a prisoner in my own body. There's always going to be things that I can't control, and I'll learn to live with that. But if it pertains to being able to chase after her in the backyard and not, you know, daddy has to slow down because, you know, I'm, I'm running out of breath. Like, that's why I do cardio. And the reason why I do my mobility work every day is I'm, I am going to get down on the floor and play until you're done playing on the floor because I don't want to be in that prison. So it's just, it's, it's interesting that you said fitness is freedom because I have the exact same approach. And I want to, I want to address that as well. I, I, I'm going to just give a quick story. I was on my way years ago, over a decade ago to ECA, which is a big fitness conference was being held in New York city. And when I was on my way over there, I see a friend of mine who I knew from college at university of North Alabama and she was walking the opposite direction. I was like, hey, what's going on? Oh, you know, like big hugs and what's happening. And we're bouncing around. It was very exciting. And I said, what are you doing? And she said, uh, I was just at this uh, fitness conference, ECA. And I was like, what? So and, and now my friend is in Alabama, what some people might call a big old girl. And uh, she's she she's thick. She is. I mean, for all intents and purposes, she's obese and the best personality you'll ever meet. Everybody loves her. She's hysterical. She's amazing. And and so she kind of caught up, uh, picked up on my stunned look on my face. And she goes, Rick, I've been teaching group exercise in New York City for over a year. And I was very excited, no judgment at all. I was like, that's amazing because I love what she's doing for the exact reason that she gave me before she even said it. She said, Rick, there are a lot of people that come to my class because there's no place for a big girl to feel comfortable. They feel safe. They feel safe with her. She's up there leading it. They feel comfortable going in. She goes, and what's even better for her is that she gets really excited now when skinny people start coming into her class because they look at the workout and they can objectively look at it and say, this is really good. Now, I'll follow that up with my friend uh, Johnny P., and people in New York City know who Johnny P is. He's a he's a dance instructor, and he was subbing for somebody for a dance class at a very high end fitness facility. And um, he was standing up at the front, and people knew that he was going to be an instructor just because he was setting up and prepping. And one of the women on the front row 
she makes a condescending remark about Johnny P because he's big. He's not the svelte type dancer that you would imagine a dancer would be. And uh, he was amazing. So Johnny P gets up and kind of rattles off uh, his resume when it comes to like choreographing for um, Kelly, Regis and Kelly or Kelly and whomever is on the show as, as times have changed. Uh, he's won a rally award. He's directed and choreographed for Broadway, this and that. And, uh, and he kind of goes on. And then after he's done with the spiel, he turns and looks at the woman in front of everybody and goes, and when we're done here, you will apologize. Good for him. And she did. Uh, and I think it's very healthy that people understand that you can be fit and fat. Absolutely. So, you know, and you see this in fight sports a lot. So someone like uh, Big Country. Yeah. You know, you look at Big Country, you know, with the mullet and his belly. He's known for his gas tank. You're right. Not, yeah. Like it's it's not just like, and oh, here, here's the in his chin. Is not that now here's just the novelty fat guy. He doesn't get tired. No. And we're talking about a grueling, all hands on deck sport where right. every facet of your athleticism is going to be called upon. And he rides, you know, you're not going to look at his, it is, uh, you know, at his win ratio, but just every fight he's ever been in, like leaves it on the line and usually outworks everybody in front of him. Yeah. You know, so I think that's just a, a, a good example. And yeah. And, and thank you for, for bringing that to the surface, Pete, because I think it's valuable to have that conversation. Well, Absolutely. And you're right. Um, because you, fitness is, you know, fitness is ability. And that's one thing I always like doing is when I, when I start working out with some people or start something, they kind of look at me and I'm like, hold on. And then it's like, at the end of, at the, end of the class, it's like, how was that? Like, Oh my God, you know, goodness. Like you just kicked my tail. And I'm like, all right, you know, it's not about, you know, it's, it's not about appearance. It's all about performance. Cutting in again here. And now regular listeners know that this is a big issue for me. Again, yeah, I talk about, yeah, I'm not, I don't train for the way I look. Yes, I do. Like everybody else, I, I do care about appearance, but really fitness is about potential and about opportunity or what you can do with your body. Now, what you're listening to right now is actually kind of bonus material. I mean, it's bonus material from our Swapcast, but I use this conversation about being a master trainer. I use a conversation about what Rick, Aaron, and I do to educate other fitness professionals. That was for another podcast. So Rick and Aaron have the Omnia Fitness Podcast. I do all about fitness. I'm the primary host. It's my podcast. And I work with a group called Idea. And they have a, they have a newsletter that goes out to certified fitness professionals. And for Idea, I do the Empowered Entrepreneur Podcast where I speak with leaders in the fitness industry and give trainers, give instructors advice for how to do their job. So what we're talking about right now, what you're hearing us talk about is the inside game about how Rick, Aaron, myself, and, and others like us that, that are master trainers, how we do our jobs and the role that we play in the fitness industry. Now, I know we need to be wrapping up here. And for listeners, I'm actually, I, I want to, I want to not necessarily hijack, but I, I want to ask Aaron and, and Rick a couple questions because I do a little podcast for a fitness organization called Idea. And Idea is a big um, industry publication, and they do, they reach out, they have a couple hundred thousand members around the world. And I do a little podcast for them um, about entrepreneur issues in the fitness industry. And I would mentioned this to, to them a little bit before, but I want to ask them a couple questions about their experience in the fitness industry, specifically related to being a master trainer. And I think this is important because I know you've probably talked about it with your listeners, 
but can you explain what it is that you do as a master trainer? You know, because I think that's a lot of listeners don't understand what that is, your listeners, and why that's important and why I mean, cause it gives you more authority to have a voice for your podcast. I think to to be clear on where we are as a master trainer is we we educate uh, the fitness industry. So we and and you know I've I've never really been fond of the term master, master. trainer, uh, but I do it's like Metallica. Yeah. <laughs> But I do think that, uh, you know, as, if, if we're going to just stay with that name, then let's go forward and talk about what that means to me um, is really a master trainer would be a master instructor or an instructor where we work with professionals within the fitness industry to educate them about exercise science. And I believe that since I've been in that role and, and Pete, that's how you and I know each other yeah, yeah. is, uh, many years ago working together, uh, as educators and faculty members, um, uh, for a large fitness organization in New York city. Uh, I was in New York city. You worked for the same company in DC and I think in Boston as well, right? Uh, Boston, I went to go work for the company that, that sold, uh, the Reebok sports club to, to Equinox. Uh, so it was, uh, that's... it was sports club LA and, yeah, I went went there, but yeah. So so go ahead. So you did that, and then Aaron, what's your background in, in being a master trainer? Yeah, so you know we we can tie it back to a conversation we had about Instagram. So for me, you know, the value comes in in two different parts. So there's the facade of my title, you know, the doors that that opens. People mm -hmm. people will listen to me because like, oh well, you're you're an educator for NASM. Um, I look at that as you know, in a very loose capacity, like somebody who has, you know, really amazing Instagram presence, um, you know, that, that will open a lot of doors, you know, you've got a hundred thousand followers, this and the other thing, but where the real value comes in for me and, in, in being an educator for NASM, uh, was the education that I had to get to become so, oh, because unlike Instagram, you know, in spite of your 200,000 followers, whatever text is underneath your photos, is probably void of content, you know, and where I fill in the blanks or where I like to think I fill in the blanks is, you know, the, the onboarding process and the amount of work that went in and not just being able to regurgitate the OPT model, you know, and understanding planes of motion and this and that, but going to Arizona and having to work on my public speaking, really working on every facet of what it takes to become an educator mm -hmm. turned me into a different person. So it's great that I have the title master instructor or educator for NASM, but it's once those doors are opened, the person that walks through and the person who, who NASM basically turned into, which is, is the master instructor and in Aaron Drogaseski. So about that, I mean, that's one thing, Rick and, and Aaron, so, you know, I mean, I have very fond memories of us, Rick, being down at, at wall street, videotaping each other, and giving each other yeah. feedback, and, and just recently, I, I was, you know, had had the opportunity to speak in China. I was in, in Shanghai, China, and I honestly, I, I was using an interpreter, so I had to wait for a couple of minutes while the interpreter took what I said and converted it to Mandarin. It's really and, hard for the jokes to land right when yeah, you have to. It have does it. It really does it. You kind of <laughs> yes, see the people in the audience who like, understand English when they when when you say it and you you make a joke, and some of the people in the audience kind of giggle a little bit. But then the interpreter goes through and there's no response. You're like, okay, <laughs> that didn't go through to Mandarin. But, but I remember 
I, I remember being in the room watching the video of each other where you would give me feedback, I'd give you feedback. And Rick, I use that to, the, to this day. I think about body position. I think about awareness. Where am I giving a talk? You know, so I have, I've never said this publicly and I want to say thank you because our work together really has helped me over the years do what I've had the opportunity to do. Now, I want to ask you this well, about being yes. master trainer. Does it help you? Because, Rick, I know you have a studio. And, and, Aaron, I'm not sure. Do you Are you a studio owner as well? How does being a master trainer help each one of you with, your, with like, your fitness business? Um, well, uh, Aaron and I have um, um, a recovery studio together. So it's basically like an athletic training room for everybody. Uh, so if you need a place to kind of recover from fitness or stress, then that's where you go. And I think that... Um, the, the title is one thing and it's nice to be able to say, you know, educator for this or that or whatever. But as Aaron pointed out, the education it took us to get to be an educator is what makes the difference. And so we can then take that information and provide it along many different lines and say, look, we, we have we've paid our dues, but not only we pay our dues and that's not really what it's about. We've, we've read the books and we've put in the study and we've put in the hours and we understand research or at least how to do it a little better so that we're not just pulling up information and saying, I heard a guy who said this, uh, <laughs> or there's, there's an individual that I heard on a podcast. So because I like the podcast, then this must be true. But now we can go back and say, look, if this doesn't have peer reviewed information to back up our recovery tools, then we don't put it into our facility. So it's more about the professionalism that we pull in um, to our business based off of our education. And we also talk about when we give tours there. So we have several different modalities from, uh, infrared saunas to pneumatic compression. You know, there's I think 10 different tools in there. Um, but our ability to employ some critical thinking and, and whenever I give it the tour, I say what recover is, uh, isn't a, a room full of what's it's the ability for the people in there to articulate the who, when, and why the, what is good for meaning, you know, we can employ the critical thinking because of our understanding of human movement, science, uh, endocrinology, it, it to, to be able to, to have a conversation and, you know, based on what you thought you may like that, you know, I'm happy to take your money and put you on that. Um, but based off what you're telling me and what happened, um, I really think that you'd be better off in this tool for this reason, you know, and be able to do that on the fly and, and, you know, to be, to be able to, to be flexible and have conversations. I think that that level of professionalism, uh, is definitely something that stands out when you come into our facility. And now Pete, I will say this, one of the things that made me more comfortable opening a gym, which is separate from the business that Aaron and I have together uh, is that I knew that through years of educating uh, new trainers in New York City and from working with NASM and being able to host workshops, I would be able to get trainers in the door because they may know who I am. Um, and uh, it it worked a little bit. I mean, there were people that showed up and go, oh, I know you, you were in these videos or you taught my foundations workshop uh, X amount of years ago. So that was helpful, but realize that I, I can't open and sustain a business because people may have heard of me. So and, and, and then it, on, it, it helped, but it didn't sustain me. Well, it, it got you that leg up. And then finally, and then unfortunately, I got a, I got a heart out here in just a minute or two. 
um, sure. kids and all that with schedules. But um, oh. the, the last thing is people are so used to, to kind of crushing themselves and exercise. When they hear about Recover and what you're doing with the Recover Studio, how do they respond? What's their reaction to, wait, I don't have to come in here and beat myself up. I can come in here and feel better walking out. How do, how do people respond to that? I think most, I mean, short answer is most people smile, you know, yeah. because there's, uh, you know, the, I mean, the old adage, uh, you know, train smarter, not harder. So if we're talking about the way Rick and I conduct themselves, ourselves uh, on the training floor, or if we're talking about the approach that we have towards recovery, uh, you know, it's, it's in win, you know, it's, it's, it's purposeful. It's not. You know, another thing that I like to to say when I'm giving tours is a lot of places may focus on the journey. And while we are concerned with the journey, we're also focused on the destination. And if we can accommodate both, make it a pleasant journey for you, more importantly, get you the outcomes. And the outcomes don't have to be, you know, beat yourself to death. And, uh, you know, you don't need a super, super deep tissue massage that's, you know, and make you want to cry. You know, sometimes you do need that. But if there's an approach, and provide, you know, the ability to have your cake and eat it too. Have have peer-reviewed research that supports these modalities that are, for the most part, a pleasant experience, but also purposeful in delivering you the outcomes. It becomes smart, you know. So I think a lot of times people will have a hard time budgeting time for themselves. Well, I should be doing this and I should be doing this. I'll go to the gym because I know I should, uh, you know, but if, you know, but the notion of going to a spa, well, I can't do that because that's, um, that's indulgent, you know, but if we create a place where it's not indulgent, we are creating a, a, an environment where we are going to transform your life. You're going to work and play uh, and just live a better version of yourself. We're going to help you transform you into a better version of whatever it is you want to be. And it can be pleasant and sign me up. That's important. I mean, and I think yeah. people are realizing that. But, <laughs> but, but I'm going to bring this back because I think I think, Aaron – Having the you know the the confidence that you gained you know the the preparation you did the study you did and the confidence you gain as being a master trainer gives you the ability to help communicate that value and that importance to the average consumer. Would you is that something you agree with? No two ways about it. No two ways about it. You know the ability. You know we could have the, you know I could answer this question for hours, but you know the ability to one have the foundation of education to know what what is going on based off the the information I'm being presented with the person, um, but the ability to communicate with with those people um, and to be present. You know Rick talked about it on another podcast. You know, the difference between, uh, you know, answering the question that was asked versus giving the answer mm -hmm. that you wanted to give is a matter of being present and really listening to the person in front of you. Um, you know, and I think often, uh, you know, people have a hard time doing so, especially if you're trying to sell something, you know, so for, for the ability to do that, which, which, which I was given through my onboarding, the ability to be in the moment and be able to pay attention to what's going on in front of me, have the foundation of information to give the person the outcomes that they're looking for. Um, you know, that's invaluable. So that, that definitely made the person, you know, who was capable of being a co-owner in Recover NYC. Well, and the other thing, Pete, I'm going to jump in here, and you have this experience too as being an educator, is that you can leave one company as an educator and be an educator at another company, uh, and you become valuable within the industry. And then 
both Aaron and I and you have been able to parlay that over into a fitness based podcast. Yeah. So you, you with, uh, with, with it's all things fitness. Is that right? All about, all about fitness. All about fitness. And then uh, Aaron and I have the Omnia Fitness Podcast, which basically means the same thing, yes. like every everything fitness. Um, and so to to then have the uh, – granted a platform through Everlast to present the Omnia Fitness Podcast uh, has been valuable to us. And I'd, I'd very, very emphatically say that that would not have been provided had we not been educators no. uh, in the industry and master trainers. Yeah, that's absolutely, guys, that's, that's perfect. And, and, you know, for listeners, I really, you know, I appreciate your, your having me on the Omnia podcast and I respect what you guys are doing. And, and I really, man, I mean, it means a lot that we're able to catch up like this. And Aaron, it's a pleasure to, to meet you. Um, yeah, I, unfortunately, I got a jam. I, I told somebody I'd be able to be available and didn't, uh, and, and was looking at the times and didn't realize that they would run up to it. So, um, thanks, th- thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it, man. You guys are awesome. Okay. Now, admittedly, this conversation has gone on a lot longer than we had thought. I mean, we, we, I had to end it because I had another call scheduled it was a lot of fun having the conversation with these guys. And what you do as a podcast, or what I try to do hosting a podcast, is I try to engage in the conversation. I usually have some bullet points I want to talk about. I usually, I have a guest on that's promoting a book, a product, or, or talking about a specific program they do. And so my goal is to ask questions to give you, the listener, a little bit of insight into that. When Rick and Aaron asked me to be on their podcast, number one, it's, I'm flattering. You know, they're doing good stuff with the Omnia Fitness Podcast. And, and number two, what I wanted to do is kind of have an ongoing conversation with them about issues that concern us. I don't want to say concern in a bad way, but they're, they're doing their podcast. I'm doing my podcast because we're educators who take our role re- seriously. We've spent a majority of our careers educating other trainers in the industry, educating people in the industry. And what we're trying to do, what Rick and Aaron are trying to do with the Omnia Fitness Podcast, what I'm trying to do with this is to give you better education. As podcasting is becoming more popular, as more fitness podcasts are getting put up every week, listen to, listen to this one all about fitness, listening to Omnia Fitness, you're, you're speaking with educators. Our responsibility is to make the fitness industry better. Our responsibility is to teach trainers how to apply the science so that you can get results from your exercise program. That's what we do. That's why we're passionate about it. For us, yeah, it'd be great making money and we do make okay money doing what we do, but it really is about helping the greater good. And I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but that's absolutely the truth. That's why I'm doing the podcast. That's why I wrote my book, Smarter Workouts. There's going to be a link below in the show note. But if you want to know what you need to know about exercise, you can go spend a day, a Saturday or Sunday, listen to Aaron or Rick or myself, go into a six, seven hour long lecture, maybe some practical stuff. That's great. But for a lot less money and not wasting an entire weekend, you can pick up Smarter Workouts. There'll be a link below in the show notes. Smarter Workouts is coming out in January 2019, and that'll teach you how to design your own exercise programs for mobility, strength training, and metabolic conditioning. So I'm looking forward to that. That's a culmination of my many years of work in the industry, and I'm trying to put it out there so that you have more information for how you can design exercise programs that work for you. So this has been a long one. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for staying around. If you have any feedback, if you like the Swapcast, if you like what we've done, please let me know, Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. Or if you didn't like it, if you're like, dude, 
that sucked. If you turned it, well, if you turned it off a while ago, you're not listening to this. But if you're like, that sucked, shoot me an email. Please let me know. I want to put content out there that's good, that's engaging, that you're interested in. You can follow me on Twitter, PeteMC underscore fitness. That's PeteMC underscore fitness on Twitter. And Instagram, Pete McCall underscore fitness. That is Pete McCall underscore fitness on Instagram. And to Instagram, for a couple of Instagram folks who tagged me recently, thank you so much. That is such an honor that you're enjoying All About Fitness. And thank you for spreading the word for other folks in the Instagram in the Instagram sphere. So thanks for tuning in this episode of All About Fitness. And I look forward to having you join me for future episodes.